You know, I've been talking to you about seeds, seed time and harvest, uh, the laws of God, Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen? If you reap to the flesh, you, I mean, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap life everlasting. Well, do you want corruption or life everlasting? You want life or death? That was the choice that Joshua gave the people of Israel in his farewell address. He said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then uh, he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. You know, make a choice. And he said, I, I would advise you to choose life. And uh, we have to live with the result of our choices. And it's the same way uh, with the words that we speak, uh, with the money that we spend, the money that we give. Uh, our choices determine what happens next. Your choices are going to determine uh, your harvest. Whatever, whatever you do with what God's given you is going to result in something. And then uh, uh, Sunday we talked about how you yourself are a seed. Uh, off the, you know, you're a chip off the old block. You know, uh, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus the seed, capital S. And then uh, Jesus said that uh, whoever believes on me will not perish but have everlasting life. And so we become the, the brethren of Jesus. So the, the big seed, God, you know, he said, he planted his seed into Mary. Mary uh, gave birth to the seed of God, the only begotten Son of God. And then whoever believes on him becomes in like kind or becomes seed also. And so our life is a seed. And the only way that we can be productive is if we allow ourselves to be planted and let God plant us. And then wherever he plants us, we need to bloom there. We need to grow there. And uh, we're going to find out as we talk about uh, seeds and plants and things of this nature that uh, a, a seed has only one uh, purpose, and that's to grow, produce a harvest. So if the seed is not planted, it's not, it's not fulfilling its purpose. If the seed it does not fall into the ground and die, and break open, it'll not germinate. It will not. It will not grow into the tree that it was supposed to be. And so God has called all of us to uh, to be seed planted and to bloom where we're planted. You know, the seed doesn't really have any decision in where it's planted. The sower, the farmer, the sower is the one who. Who, plant, who, who decides where the seed's going to be planted. Amen? Amen. And Mark chapter 4, God is the sower. And he goes about, and he, he goes about casting seed upon the ground. He determines where that seed goes. The seed has no deciding uh, power. The seed just has to fall where it falls and grow there. And, uh, and seeds are carried about by many forces. They're carried about by, 
by the wind. They're carried about by water. They're carried about by birds. Wild animals are carried about, uh, you know, in, in uh, many forms, many ways of transportation, but eventually they're going to land somewhere. And it's in their nature, it's in the nature of a seed to grow right where it's planted. They try. You know, in Mark chapter 4, if you'll recall, the seed fell on stony ground. And what happened? I mean, it was, well, first it fell on the wayside. The seed that fell on the wayside sprang up. It, it, it grew. It did what it was supposed to do. But the circumstances of that soil made it impossible for it to thrive because as soon as it sprung up, here come the birds, and they pick it up and uh, carry it off somewhere and ate it. And it went through that bird's digestive tract and came out the other side. And who knows where that seed wound up? But I'll guarantee you, wherever it did wind up, it tried to grow. It's, that's the nature of seed. Seed often, you know, grows in weird and strange places. And uh, uh, I'm sure some of you have seen, either in real life or you've seen pictures of trees that split rocks in half, that grew up in, 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 uh, out, of, out of a big rock. Well, how did that happen? Well, the seed landed on that rock. And it's the seed's purpose and mandate, if you please, to grow. So it grew in that rock and split that big old rock in half. I've, I've seen pictures of whole mountains being split in half by a pine tree growing on top of that mountain. It's amazing. And I, I've seen it. I've seen where, so where trees grow um, uh, on, the, on the roof of a house. And there's nothing up there to suggest a, a tree should grow there. But if that's where the seed landed, guess what? That seed only has one purpose, one mandate, and that's to grow. Well, we're supposed to grow. We are, we are, we are the seeds of God. And our mandate that's on us is whatsoever our, our, we put our hands to shall prosper, right? God has prophesied growth over us. I believe that this church has that mandate on it. We're supposed to grow. And, uh, and we are growing in Jesus' name. And, uh, and where are we going to grow? We're going to grow where we're planted. Amen? Right now we're planted here on Atlantic Boulevard. And, uh, and we, we shall grow here because we have a mandate. We don't have to say, is it God's will for this church to grow? That, that should not even enter into our thoughts, no more than it's, it should enter into your thought that, that you should grow and multiply and reproduce and fill the earth with fruit. Amen? Because that's just the nature of the planting of the Lord. Well, look in Psalms 1, and we see this, we see this uh, brought out here. Very, very vividly in Psalm 1, let's just read verse 1, starting with verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
Now, what's happening here? You, he, the blessed man is that, that person who positions himself in the right place. Amen? Because if you, if you sit in the seat of the scornful, you're going to grow, but you're going to grow scornfully. If you sit in the seat of the ungodly, you're going to grow all right, but you're going to grow ungodly. You're going to have to live in that barnyard that you planted yourself in. You're going to be smelling that stuff, right? Uh, if, you, uh, if you sit, if the seed, just think of it as a seed, if a seed sits in the seat of the scornful, it's going to grow up with that scornful taste, that scornful flavor. Amen? The blessed man is the man who doesn't allow himself to be planted in that, those situations. He gets himself free from those situations. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. So if you really want to be happy and blessed, you need to plant yourself in the law of the Lord. I can't think of any more fertile ground for you to be planted in than the Word of God. Amen? And here's, here's the result of that decision. To, to pluck yourself up from the counsel of the ungodly and the way of the sinner and the seat of the scornful and plant yourself in the law of the Lord. Here's the result. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Yeah. Amen. He shall be like a tree. Well, a tree that's planted anywhere near water is going to grow. Yeah. Now, the thing, you know, I talked to you about, uh, you know, uh, a tree that's growing on the roof of a house, a tree that grows on a rock, a tree that grows on the side of a cliff, a tree that grows uh, in weird and strange places. I saw a tree one time growing out of someone's rain gutter, yeah. you know, on their house. And, uh, I mean, a big tree. I, mean, I thought, didn't they know that that was growing there? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, I, you know, I'm sure you have seen trees growing in strange places. I've seen trees growing in, a, in the desert. All it, all it had to do is be planted there. But what do all of these places have that would, that would uh, uh, encourage growth? Well, they have water. You say, even in the desert, it rains. And even, the desert even has atmosphere, and there's water in the atmosphere. I was going to show you a picture of a giant sequoia tree, a big redwood tree. And uh, uh, how many have ever seen in person, you've seen one of those huge trees? They can be 26, 27 stories tall. And they can be, they can be as round as this, as this room here. Uh, I, I know that out in the Sequoia National Park, uh, many years ago, many, many years ago, our family took a vacation and my dad loaded, his, loaded us all up in this station wagon, this huge station wagon, you know, nine-passenger station wagon. And uh, we took off to California, and we got to, the, we got to the Redwood Forest and Sequoia National Park. And, man, we're driving around looking at these giant trees. I mean, I never saw anything so big in all my life. 
They're thousands of years old. Some of them, some of them are like three thousand years old. And uh, and and all of a sudden, there was this tree in front of us, right in the road. And we drove right through this tree. It was hollowed out in the middle, and they had they had taken the road right through that tree. And so we drove our car right through that tree. We get in the middle. My dad honks the horn, you know, and we get out and we take pictures and all that. Well, since then they've blocked that off and they don't let cars go through there because the exhaust was damaging the tree. But but I that was so long ago I have I have the memory of actually driving through that tree. That was a huge tree. And uh and I've seen, you know, I've seen pictures of people, you know, holding hands and trying to circle a tree, and it'd take 30 of them to circle that tree. I mean, that is a huge tree. And uh, they grow in that particular valley uh, uh, because that was where they were planted thousands of years ago. But uh, one reason that they're able to live so long is because the valley, it's high mountains all the way around it. You've got to go over a high pass and go down into the valley. And then to get out, you've got to go out the other side, go up the high mountain pass. And, and in this valley, the wind doesn't blow. And it's a good thing because those giant trees have very shallow roots. And... It's been scientifically proven that there's no way those trees can nourish themselves from those roots. Those root systems are not deep enough to feed those trees, let alone make them grow that tall. So how do they grow? Well, they, they, they shoot straight up until their branches break through the, uh, the other trees and they begin to soak, soak up moisture from the air, from the atmosphere. And they drink, they, they, they supply their need for water from the top down instead of from just the roots up. They're, they're an incredible tree. And, uh, and so uh, if, you, if you were to Google, you know, what makes a seed grow, one of the first things they will tell you is... Uh, Moisture. You've got to have moisture. And I remember that. I remember in, my, in the garden that my dad made us work in, that uh, when we planted the seed, you know, we, would, we, we did everything by hand, you know, because we just had a small garden in our backyard. But, but we, we would make the dirt real soft. You know, he would, um, you know, we would, we would have to dig it first with a shovel, and then we'd have to go through with a with a hoe and break up the clods and we'd have to go back through with a rake and get all the grass out and stuff and i mean, and by the time we got finished it was real the ground was real soft and pliable and then we would make these little heap up these little rows and on the top of the bed you know we would go along and stick our finger in the dirt and we'd take a couple seeds and we'd just shove them down in that hole we made with our finger and then we'd cover it up and then my little brother, little sister, come along behind with this little watering can, and and he would make the ground wet and and water it. And I always thought, I always asked my dad, Daddy, how come, how come we don't 
put the water in the hole and then put the dirt on top? Why did we cover it up first and then put the dirt on top? And he said, because the, the, we don't want to wash the seed out. We want, we want the seed to be safe and secure, but it has to have water because it won't grow without water. And then the second thing you're going to find out about uh, uh, trees is, is, I mean, any seed, is it requires heat. That's why we plant in the springtime and it grows during the summer and we, and we, we harvest our crop, you know, uh, before the first frost comes along, right? You know, we, we, want, uh, we, we want it to have a, a time or a season where that seed gets some heat because when that heat and that moisture come together, it causes that seed to break open. We call that germinate. And so the person, the person who plants themselves in the word of God, in the law of the Lord, is like a tree that's planted by rivers of water. In other words, plenty of water. And the result is that he's going to bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither because there's plenty of moisture. Plenty, you know, the leaf withers when there's no water. And whatever he does shall prosper. That's, that's God's blessing upon the whole process of you being planted in his word. Isn't that wonderful? Let's, let's move forward a little bit to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 21. Isaiah 60, verse 21 says, Thy people also shall be all righteous. So, that's, so we're, we're talking about righteous seed or trees of righteousness. Amen. The people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it. In its time. So you have seed, you have seed, time, harvest. Sometimes we take seed, time, and we put it together, but it's really seed, time, harvest. You plant the seed, time passes, and you have a harvest. And God says he will hasten it in its time. Every seed has a time that uh, that uh, it that is required to pass before that uh, before you can have the harvest. If you were to get a packet of seeds and uh, look on the back of it, say you're planting cucumbers, it'll tell you it'll tell you when to plant it. Don't plant this until after June. You know, and it'll tell you that once you plant it, it'll tell you how many days until you can harvest the fruit of it. And every seed has a different time. You can, you can look on the internet. I, I did this just to see if I was right. But I looked it up on the internet and they actually have charts for different kinds of seed. Different seeds require different time to grow and, and for harvest. And... Uh, you know, getting back to those redwood trees, uh, those sequoias, um, they have a, 
um, you know, they have these big cones that grow in the very top of the tree. And inside these cones are where the seeds are. And they, they can stay in that cone for 20 years and still be viable. And they're not going to come out of that cone until uh, they're subject to uh, insects or heat. And that's why, you know, when there's, a, when there's a fire, if a fire rages through, the heat from that fire causes those cones to break apart and those seeds pop out, and that, and that becomes the new planting. And uh, so, uh, you know, when, you, when you're driving through mountainous areas or places where there's a lot of forest and you see where a, a fire has come through, it looks like a tragedy has struck. It looks horrible because it looks like everything's dead. All you got is these little burnt sticks sticking up and uh, everything else is charred. But that's really nature's way of breaking the seeds open so that they can grow. You come back another year or two and uh, there's going to be another little forest there with young trees. That's nature's way. And when we try to prevent those fires, uh, sometimes we're, we're uh, interfering with nature. That's why it might take 20 years for one of those cones to be broken up because we, like we like to kill the insects and we like to put out the fires. And so, you know, it might take 20 years for this, little, this one tree to reproduce. But once it's subject to the fire, and that reminds me of a scripture, let's see. Let's see if I can, I think I've got that here. Oh yeah, 1 Peter 4.12. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. So here's what we get from this. Fiery trials are not strange. Fiery trials are part of the process. Inasmuch as you're a partaker of Christ's suffering, sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding glory. Something happens to you when the fire is put to you. You may say, man, I'm having a breakup. Yeah, but you might be breaking up in order for seeds to come out. And so, you know, praise God for all things. In all things, give thanks. You don't give thanks for the fire, but in the fire, give him thanks. Because, you know, you might be like one of those big trees that just has to have your coconut cracked. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, turn with me to Isaiah 61. We were in Isaiah 60. Let's go to Isaiah 61. And uh, I've got a sermon. Uh, it's... Uh, it's on sermon.net, talkbible, talkbible.sermon.net. Talkbible, that's our website, talkbible, sermon.net. Uh, if you want to go on there and, and go back in the archives and go, go way back, you'll find a sermon that I preached called Palm Tree Christians. Palm Tree Christians. And, uh, and I compare the Christian 
family in the Christian community to a, a, a stand of palm trees. And uh, Don Norman told me that that was one of his favorite sermons. And the reason he said that was because he gave me the idea. <laughs> Amen. But uh, I encourage you to go back and look at that. And uh, that's on talkbible.sermon.net. You can access that through our website, talkbible.com. And uh, I, think, I think it's on YouTube also. But you'd have to go back into the archives. Okay. Anyway, I may have to listen to it again myself. But Isaiah 61, verse 1 says, and this is a very familiar scripture, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is prophetic of Jesus. But it's true of us because we're his anointed today. We're part of his anointed so what, uh, Jesus is talking about the Spirit of the Lord being upon him, and certain things happened as a result. Well, when the Spirit of the Lord comes on you, the same thing needs to happen. Jesus said, the things that I do, you will do also, right? The things that I do, you shall do also. And so if this is, if this is true of Jesus, it's true of his anointed ones. Remember, we are, we are um, his little brothers, his brethren. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. See, ashes first, then beauty. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old waste, they shall raise up the former desolations, they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Now, we just read this, but think of this in the back, with the backdrop, or against the backdrop, of a forest fire that swept through the land, burnt everything to ashes, brought only grief and mourning and people crying because everything was burnt up. And then he says that he, he the, the anointing of the Lord, the anointing of the Spirit of God was upon them that mourn in Zion to do what? To give a beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. They will build the old ways. In other words, we're part of the, of the rebirth of the forest. We're part of the regeneration of the beauty of the forest after the fire came. Amen? 
You know, we talk a lot about end, end times and last days, prophecies and things. And, and most folks, you know, it's just a natural thing, I guess, but most folks just focus on the negative. They focus on the, on, on, you know, the bad stuff that's going to happen for three and a half years. And a lot of bad stuff can happen in three and a half years. Just look at what's happened in the last two. You know, and that's with the church in the earth, and that's with the restraining force in the earth. You take the restrainer out, which is the church, the body of Christ, and, and there's no one here to say that's wrong, that's evil, that's wicked, that's bad, we're not going to stand for that. You just take all that resistance out of the way, and imagine how bad things can get in three and a half years. They can get really bad. And so you don't want to be around in that kind of time. But, eat, but rather than focus on that, all that negative stuff, which the Bible prophesies and says is going to happen somewhere sometime, instead of focusing on all that, focus on the fact that we're part of God's recovery rebuilding team. See, we're here before the fire, and we're going to be we're going to be preserved through the fire, and and when the fire's over, we're part of the ones who rebuild the waste places, Amen. rebuild the cities that have burned down. We're going to be part of that new growth, that new that new thing. Amen. I don't know how old you were, but back when Mount St. Helens exploded, y'all remember that. Uh, an inactive, dead volcano that wasn't quite so dead, was it? And uh, it exploded with the force of many atomic bombs. And, uh, you know, we were living in the middle of the country, and, and we, uh, our car was just covered with ash. I mean, it was, uh, and we, you know, we were 1,500 miles away from Mount St. Helens. But, I mean, when it exploded, it exploded, and, and, and the general area around it was devastated. It totally altered the geogra geography of that area. Where there were mountains before, there were no mountains. Where there were valleys before, there were no valleys. Where there were, where there were rivers before, there was, there was nothing. And I, I remember the pictures. It looked like it looked like the landscape of the moon in some places. Amen. I mean, it was total destruction and devastation. And the the uh, experts said it's going to take years and years and years and years and years and years to recover from this. If you were to go back there now, or just five years later, you'll find out this. You, you'll, you'll see this beautiful forest with rivers and with wildlife and with beautiful flowers and all kinds of, I mean, it, it is totally recovered. Of course, that's been many years now, but now it doesn't even look like anything happened. You'd have to be able, you'd have to know where to look to find any, any remains of, of that disaster. Amen. Remember back when the, there was an oil tanker that sprung a leak up there in Alaska? And oil just spilled out, and it just covered the beaches. And, and uh, you see all these pictures of seals, you know, and you're just covered in oil and all these birds. And people are out there, you know, picking these birds, these ducks and birds and, and, and little animals, you know, up. And they're just, they're just 
they're just covered in tar and they're trying to clean them up and get i mean and they were saying it's just an ecological disaster and it will never it will it's going to destroy the the economy of this region and the ecology and all oh man it's just so bad and they just they just socked it to exxon you know and just i mean just made them pay millions and billions of dollars in damages and well, today, that same harbor is a pristine, beautiful, flourishing tourist mecca. Full of all kinds of wildlife and fishies and birds and ducks and mooses and seals. And, I mean, like nothing ever happened. Why? Because God's economy and God's ecology takes a disaster and breaks the seeds from it and replants for, for more growth. You can't defeat God's earth. People are worried about climate change. Well, I want to tell you something. There will always be climate change. I'm reminded of a song we used to sing. All may change, but Jesus never. Jesus is the only unchanging thing in this universe. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Apart from him, everything else is moving. And if it's moving, it's changing. And the earth is a living, pulsating, breathing, fiery planet that is spinning around in the universe at thousands and thousands of miles an hour. It's alive. And so as it spins, air currents and water currents and the tides and everything else. I mean, you know, the moon comes up and here goes the ocean. The moon goes down, here goes the ocean. You know, I mean, it's, it's a living, moving, breathing planet. Of course there's change. There's got to be change because it's not a dead planet. But we don't need to be running around like Chicken Little saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And that's exactly what people have done and they've made an industry out of it and they're making money out of it by scaring people. See, we can, we can tax the people to fix the climate. How are they going to fix the climate? You see, God is God is so ordained things that we ride this ride, but we don't control it. We just bloom where we're planted. Amen. Our job our job is to glorify God in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, and to produce a harvest, one way or another. The Israelis have. Uh, uh, you know, they took over um, uh, a very arid, very desolate, uh, barren land, and they learned how to work the soil. They learned how to redirect the, the, the water supplies. They learned how to harness the wind and the sun, and they've learned how to, you know, and they, 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 they've developed um, what they call drip irrigation, where they can grow plants without them even being in the dirt. Plants just hanging in the air, 
and they just drip a little water on it, and the plant just does what it's supposed to do. They grow tomatoes that way. And we've learned how we've learned from them how to do it. I remember going out on our on our on our deck behind our house. We had we had we had this tomato plant hanging from the ceiling, not an ounce of dirt anywhere, and we just drip water on it, and it grow it grew tomatoes. Good ones. Why? Because the seed was just doing what it's supposed to do. Give it a little moisture and hang it out there where the sun can hit it. And the, the, wet, the wet and the warm just caused the, caused the plant to grow. Amen. It's good stuff, isn't it? Well, that's the way you need to be. Prayer. Prayer and, and, and the Word. The Word is the soil and your prayer is your, is your moisture. Your prayer life, your, your devotion to God, your fellowship with God waters the Word. Your prayers and the Word, and you will grow and produce. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, then you'll be called something. You'll be called trees of righteousness. A tree of righteousness will always be a flourishing tree. It'll always be a beautiful tree. It'll always be a green tree, and it'll always be a, a tree full of fruit. Amen? God's called us to be flourishing, growing, green, leafy, and full of fruit. Amen. And I just say, praise the Lord, that's what I want to be. I want my life. And whatever he does, Whatever he puts his hand to you shall prosper. Amen. What does prosper mean? It means it will go, it, it, will, it will fulfill its purpose. It will go over the top and succeed. Even if there's a raging forest fire, it will succeed. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, that's all I have for tonight, but I just want, I just want to bless you with uh, the, the announcement that you are a righteous tree. So bloom where you're planted and, and, uh, and grow, grow, grow. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Father, we just thank you tonight for blessing us with this word and, and uh, this encouragement, this exhortation. And we just ask you, Lord, to just cause us to catch the drift, catch the vision, and be the people you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Amen.